dwelling in the darkest depths of the mind. It's time for Mark D. Valenti and Brain Burrow. Hello everyone, this is Mark D. Valenti and this is another episode of Brain Burrow. This is one of our Digging Deep sessions where we have a chance to talk with our guest and our guest has a chance to share about their lives. What do they value? What do they fear? What do they want for themselves? What is their motivation? You as a listener and viewer have a chance to say, how does this apply to me? So I'm very pleased to have on the show today, Ms. Beatrice Bapli, and I'm going to actually hand it over to her by asking her the big open-ended question, who exactly is Beatrice Bapli? Oh my goodness, what a question. Who is Beatrice Bapli? Well, that question actually is the driving force of my life. Um, uh, spiritually, that's my that's what I'm here for. That's my life is discovering who is Beatrice Bupley. So, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of things that I do. Um, there's a lot of things that I've done. There's a lot of characteristics about myself. Um, I could say that I'm, I'm a mother, I'm an actor, I'm a yoga teacher. I, uh, I love cooking. There's lots of things I love to do. Um, I've traveled all over the world. Um, uh, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, you know, all those kind of things. Um, but yeah, it's a great question. Who, who am I? Who is Beatrice Bupley? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, th thanks for framing it like that. Uh, you know, not only labels about who you are in the world, but things you've done as well. And I like what you said about that's been sort of something you've been thinking about already. So what's motivating you to try to discover that about yourself? Um, I would say that from an early age, um, we, I was introduced to meditation when I was five and, um, in what is it less than two weeks, I'm 60. So, um, you know, you do the math, it's been a long time. Um, not that I, I, I honestly do not meditate every day since I was five, um, 55 years of meditation. I think I'd probably be an enlightened being by now. Um, however, you know, the practice of meditation is going within. So um, at a very early age, we were living in Japan. Um, my family was living in Japan when I turned age five and I was there for four years. And in meditation, you know, you quiet the mind and learn to focus on that inner voice. Um, and that inner voice can really guide us into who we are. Uh, but it's, it's a lifelong pursuit. Um, I can't tell you the answer yet, <laughs> although I can say that I know that the the deepest part of who I am is also the same as who you are. But anyway. Well, I'm going to have to ask you to dig a little bit deeper into that. Talk more about that. Um, well, so um, I'm sure a lot of uh, your listeners um, are familiar um, now that yoga is so popular with the term namaste. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that greeting where people put their hands together and bow. Um, and namaste is that, um, it's a greeting, it's, it's from Sanskrit, but it's a basic uh, honoring gesture. It can be light in some cultures, but it can also, um, at its deepest level, m mean that the highest part of me sees, recognizes, and connects with the highest part of you. And so it kind of comes from this philosophy that we all are the same at our core. Um, and you know, what, what truly makes us, um, that gives us life that, you know, um, kind of comes from the same place. Uh, and then outside of that is all our personalities. So there's all the things that we, um, 
take on from our environment and from our upbringing and from our culture and from our likes and dislikes and so forth. And then that starts to shape us. But at the core, um, like ocean water, if you, if you were to take the water from the ocean and put it in, let's say, a cup and a bowl and a vase and a swimming pool, when you look at those, th you know, those things, they seem completely different right? Um, and, you know, the water in the swimming pool seems like something very different from the water in a vase. They all have a different function. But if you were to, you know, take all that water back out and throw it into the ocean, it becomes one again. So anyway, I'm getting kind of philosophical. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. <laughs> Listen, the show is about understanding you as a person. And I love analogies. And I think that was a great connection that you made there because it's easy to visualize. So okay, I think good. that was fantastic. It's okay to be philosophical. You can be philosophical or not. It is up to you what you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I think, you know, the other question I'd like to ask on the show, although I don't want to focus on it, right, because it comes up a lot. So given, you know, where your life was a few years ago, I'm wondering how has your life changed as a result of pandemic and all everything that's happened in the last few years? Um, well, the pandemic in terms of, so um, I, I had actually, um, I had a pretty strong career in acting in the 80s, the 80s and the 90s. Um, and then I kind of, I left it all um, to go to India. And I lived in India for two years and um, worked on a mobile hospital and studied even more meditation and yoga there. Came back to the US um, and ended up meeting and marrying my husband. Um, it's a good thing I married my husband as opposed to someone else. No, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and so acting has been on, on on hold, um, at least professionally, I've done, I've snuck around and done a few non, oh, I shouldn't say this out loud, non-union things under different names. No, but, um, uh, and, and so I became a yoga teacher. I have my own yoga studio. I have my, an online yoga business, um, and things like that. So the pandemic strongly affected the yoga studio. Um, mm. we weren't allowed to have classes for quite a while. Um, and then once it, the weather got nice, we started offering them outside. Um, but actually, the pandemic, during the pandemic, um, I ended up getting a new, a new rep for um, uh, horror conventions and such for uh, appearances. And I had done one or two years ago um, and really never focused on it again. But now it kind of came up pretty strong. I've been doing quite a few of those and meeting a lot of fans. Um, and also this year... Um, I became, a, or this last fall, I became a empty nester for the first time in my life. Oh, wow. And both my sons have moved out. So it's a huge shift for me. In fact, that question of, you know, who are you? Uh, it is interesting because, you know, I've, I've identified so much of who I am as for the past 20 some years as a mom, um, you know, and, and in that role as a mother, um, and because I waited till late in life to be a mother, um, I really in, jumped into it with both hands and feet. And I was PTA mom, I was PTA president, I was, you know, um, Boy Scouts leader, I was did everything to do with my kids. And I, and I was really shocked when they moved away, how much of my time for the past 20 some years has been taking care of my kids. So now I suddenly have this big bulk of time. Um, there's still, of course, never enough time, but um, this open period of time that I've been able to focus on my acting career more and and in particular more my just the celebrity side of you know getting to know my fans and going to these engines and it's been um very eye-opening very very different very different than living in india in an ashram <laughs> yeah. you think maybe there's a difference there for sure i'd say yes of course slightly different yeah 
Well, and I think that says a lot too about your own self-reflection. And again, as you said, this isn't the first time you thought about who exactly are you, and you've done a lot of self-reflection, being an empty nester as well. But I'm wondering, you know, like what? Can you talk a bit about what sort of the cycle of emotions that you experienced through that? I mean, there's got to be a positive and negative, I guess, right? I mean, how, what was that like? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I would say, you know, how um, with pregnancy, some women go through. Um, postpartum depression, um, which I did with one of my pregnancies. I only have two living kids, but I was pregnant five times. I had three losses. Um, uh, two of them were quite late term and the third one died in my arms. Um, so, you know, pretty tragic, but my, um, so I know what that's like, but, um, so with my two kids living, you know, as I said, I put so much time into and focus into being this mom. And, and I think as a lot of parents do, I tried to, make up for my childhood, which was, my parents were fairly absentee. They're very career oriented and we were just kind of left on our own. I mean, a lot of kids in the sixties and seventies were, um, but my parents in particular, you know, would just not be involved. They were always, and they would leave, I mean, for months at a time doing, traveling around the world, doing things. They're art historians. Um, so anyway, so I tried to give my boys everything that I'd never got, which if, for anyone who's listening is not the right thing to do <laughs> because it doesn't mean that that's what my kids want. But, you know, I, I, um, I was very, very involved. And, and as I said, you know, when they, when they moved out and I suddenly realized like, Oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm not going to PTA meetings. I'm not going to Boy Scout meetings. I'm not running this errand. I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, on this committee, that committee. I mean, a huge, ridiculously huge. I, I guess I didn't realize, but I would say like 80% of my time was wrapped around things to do with my boys. And now that they've gone wow. off to college, I, I was really, um, it was kind of like a postpartum. I, I went through a period of like really leading up to their leaving. It wasn't so much bad with the first son. Um, and there's, there's three years apart. So, um, I was okay. I had some time to get used to it. But then when the second son went off to college this past year, knowing that he was going to be leaving, oh my gosh, it was awful. I, I really, um, I remember one time I was in the grocery store and I, I thought I was happy. I was fine. And I caught myself, I was catching, um, putting in the basket, every kind of food that my son loves. Oh, his huh. favorite, this, oh, his favorite drink, his favorite snack. I mean, he was still at home. He was going to be leaving in a okay. week or so. And I was getting all his food. And then just suddenly, like in the middle of the grocery store, I just started bawling my eyes out. Like I, I could, like, <gasps> like hysterically crying. And I was so embarrassed because people were there. So I literally, I um, moved some cereal aside and shoved my head inside, you know, the, the, pretending I was looking for something in the way back, you know. So, and I was just like <gasps> crying, you know, it was awful. And I called up one of my other girlfriends who was also an empty nester and she kind of talked me down, um, you know. And I mean, luckily, you know, a lot of other moms were going through it too. But um, I it, then once he actually left, it took maybe I guess about a week or so. It really wasn't that long, and then I then I was okay. Like I, the depression lifted, um, and and I actually remember the first time my husband and I went to a friend's house, um, and they had been empty nesters for a while, and we sat down outside and had cocktails, and you know listened to our music, and it was just so nice. We're like, wow. There's like no kids around. We didn't have to mind like, oh, you know, let's go into this room. The boys were, you know, in there. We just felt so adult and it was like, mm -hmm. wow, this is really, really nice. So, you know, I've, I've gotten used to it. I, I'm still re-finding re myself. Um, I have so many projects that I'm working on that I really want to uh, go into deeper. Um, 
there's so there's no shortage of things to do believe me sure. but um but yeah the identity of mom was huge and 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 i i really had been attached to it and yeah yeah thanks for talking through that and sort of the emotions that you're experiencing including that very vulnerable time in the supermarket and i'm sure there are yeah. others as well but i love how you were recognizing it as an opportunity to redefine yourself and I think that's yeah. a that's talks about growth and personal development. So I want to commend you on that. Oh, um, thank you. Because still your choice to do it, and I think that that says a lot. So when you talk about other projects and things that interest you, I mean, what 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 specifically are you drawn to? What 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 interests you specifically? Well, I mean, I've always been interested in travel. I've traveled to probably uh, well over over fifty countries. I can't. Wow. But um, but I'm. But there's a ton that I've haven't been to yet. So I and COVID's been driving all of us nuts. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting back to travel. Um, however, new is is um, the convention route of meeting fans. Um, sure, it's something that I haven't really you know I hadn't done. Um, some of my cohorts, some of them have been doing it all along, and, and others are new to it, and others haven't done it at all. Um, it's it's a whole kind of new world, but it's also not, it's it is an opportunity to travel, and I just feel like for for whatever reason, Nightmare on Elm Street um, and the horror genre of the '80s is like super popular right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe it has been all along, I don't know, but I'm just noticing now how huge it is, um, and so I kind of want to you know go with that for a few years, like give a few years to my fans and and to the character of Amanda and. Um, work on projects to do with that. I'm writing actually her backstory, um, oh, wow. which actually leads into Freddie's story. And then I just found out that uh, if they do do a, a new film, a new Elm Street, I don't know, I might be five years too late. I should have gotten this out earlier, but, <laughs> but her story kind of had always lived with me when I, um, when I played the role, I remember, you know, as an actor, you have, you do your own research, uh, you, you develop your own character and, you know, what made Amanda become a nun in the first place, you know, and, and what were her feelings about Freddie and, and, you know, what, what was that like for her? Like her whole life, you know, has been alive in me for quite a while. So, um, you know, so I'm, you know, but I just never thought it was anything people were interested in. And now that I'm seeing that, yes, people are very interested. So to put that to paper would be kind of fun. And I, um, and there's some beautiful artwork that I've been discovering from a lot of fans and artists who do some amazing, um, you know, work, a lot of different Amanda de de depictions. So that's something I've been focusing on. Um, and I'd love to do some um, some events to do um, with Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, that's one big project. The other one is I'm, I'm, I've been working and working on getting my Tai Chi certification, um, Tai Chi for Veterans. Mm. Um, but I, because unfortunately it's all online, it's, um, I'm not a very um, disciplined person, believe it or not. Uh, with all the yoga and, and meditation, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not particularly disciplined. So with, um, with this online training, it's been kind of going a long time. So there's that. And then there's um, a second book I've been trying to write, um, and I'm part of a writer's group, um, my own family, my own memoir. So I'm trying to get that. Um, and then I have my, a lot of things. I have this yoga um, tarot. Uh, it, it's basically a um, yoga oracle deck, um, a book that I wrote and produced and um, and these oracle cards that I tried to sell on an online company. Um, what I didn't realize was to have an online company means you have to spend a lot of time online, and I'm not really liking that so much. <laughs> wow. 
Well, but. I mean, it, it's great that you called yourself out for not being as disciplined as perhaps people would think, again, given your connection to yoga and just everything else. Um, so how do you feel about that? Oh, well, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I became a yoga teacher. I've been teaching for 20 years. Um, I'm ERYT 500, which is basically like the, the, I guess it's like having your PhD. So I'm, I can teach teachers yoga. Um, uh, and how, I, but the reason I actually became a yoga teacher was because I'm not disciplined. Um, mm. I loved yoga. I've been practicing yoga, but I don't, I know that especially as a mom, I, I would put my own stuff last, which all, you know, most parents, well, not all parents, my mom didn't, but anyway, there we go, psychology, mm. but anyway, mm. um, do, 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 um, but anyway, so <laughs> it all circles around, but, um, yeah, so knowing that I'm not very disciplined, I knew that if I was a teacher, I would have to show up for classes. So I became a teacher. And so I show up for classes. <laughs> well, I was actually going to ask you about what motivated you to become a teacher and you defined it, which is fantastic about keeping discipline. But obviously a role of teacher is extremely important, right? Because you're guiding others. So I'm wondering yeah. how do you feel about that role of being responsible for activating others? Yeah. Uh, as a yoga teacher in particular, prior to that, I had taught acting and I had taught um, English as a second language. I lived in Taiwan for a year um, where I taught Mongolian businessmen. I taught them English. So I, I was familiar with the practice of teaching. And I think actors, you know, you're used to being in front of a crowd and, and a lot of teaching is acting. You're trying to keep your, you know, your audience, your students motivated and, and such. But um, as far as becoming a yoga teacher, I really did hesitate. I mean, the, you know, as I said, the reason I, I finally said, okay, was because of the discipline factor. But um, I was actually taking prenatal yoga um, and one of my yoga teachers said to me, why on earth aren't you teaching? You know, you're fantastic. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I guess because my introduction to yoga had always been the spiritual side. I'm here in um, North America. You know, I would say 85% of it is the physical. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic for your body. It's fantastic for the mind, for the breath, for focus. Um, but, you know, that's like... I don't know, that's like saying, you know, salad is, is, is romaine lettuce with, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just such a small part of it. Um, sure. And so for me, the idea of a yoga teacher, like I was thinking like pretty much guru level, like who am I to teach yoga? Like I really just felt there was, I was in no place to be teaching it. Then my teacher said, finally said, you know, look, you you teach what you can and you will grow as a teacher like everyone has to start you're not going to be there when you start um and so because of that and 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 a number of things i it, it actually was after i lost my my daughter she she died in my arms and um i kind of was like let's see i could either i don't know kill myself or do something else i mean seriously it was like that bad i sure. i um i think having my other son alive was what kept me going you know, I really did want to end it there. But um, so I, I figured I needed something to really dive into. And, and so the yoga teacher training program, you know, was a good one. And, and I wasn't even sure if I would actually teach after that, but I at least went for the certification. And it was great because yoga um, is a practice where you are constantly having to go back within, you know, examine, listen to the mind, listen to the body, be aware of what's going on. And I cried a whole lot that year. Um, you know, on the loss of the child. And I got to really work through a lot of that um, physically too, which is, which is another huge thing. Um, 
I hadn't been aware of how much we hold in the body. I know there's now like all these books, you know, the body holds the score and I, I haven't actually read it, but I have a feeling I know, you know, the, the basis of what I've heard about it is, is so, so true and valid. Um, because I had this experience once um, in India when I was uh, working in India, because I was working on a mo mobile hospital, I needed to get a shot, you know, and an injection, because um, we worked with people with um, all kinds of things. And, and the nurse said, please bend over. You know, I had to pull down my pants and, you know, and mm -hmm. she was going to give me the shot in the butt. And I was like, what? You know, and she goes, just, just bend over. And of course, you know, I don't like needles and nobody would be like super comfortable, ooh, showing off your butt. But I froze, like I physically froze. And she's like, come on, it's, it's going to be okay. And I was like trying to get myself and I could not get my body. It just froze. Mm -hmm. And then finally I just started like convulsing crying like you know hysterically and she's she's said just okay take a deep breath lie down and once i l laid on the table and she gave me the shot that way it was fine and i realized like if this memory of you know my childhood you know getting whipped on the butt you know and it, it was very traumatic the way it would happen that stayed in my body and even though i hadn't really you know i figured like oh i've been through therapy i moved through that but it was still in the body, that memory sense of that position to receive yeah. pain. Wow. Like, so yoga has been phenomenal in, in that, in that it releases that. You can really work through physically um, a lot of stuff that otherwise would get stuck in the muscles. Yeah, great uh, connection to that, uh, as you said, living in the body. And again, another story from you about being self-aware and reflecting, right? Some people may have that same experience as you had, but they don't take the time to understand why they had that experience and how it relates to their life. So again, uh, kudos to you for being so self-aware of why you do things. Mm -hmm. uh, we are about out of time, Beatrice, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to sort of maybe give one bit of parting advice for the audience. Anything, you've talked about so many different things, the benefits of looking within and, and just learning and growing. I'm just wondering just what bit of final advice might you give to anybody who's listening? Uh, to get to know, um, to get to know your own voice. You know, it's really hard to know what's my own voice because we have um, a lot of things that come out of conditioning. We have fears and, 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 and likes and dislikes. And when we're trying to find an answer to something, we sometimes find it really difficult um, to know what is our true voice. So that's something worthwhile to take time. Meditation is what, a wonderful way. Journaling is another way. Just sitting quiet, um, you know, but taking that time to get to know. There's a lot of tools out there that can help you do that. And, and I think, yeah, getting to know ourselves, what is our true inner voice is probably one of the biggest things we should all focus on. And it doesn't always cost anything either, you know. It's a good point. Uh, phenomenal advice. And thank you very much for sharing it and for letting us get to know your voice today in the conversation. Well, thank you. Yeah, my thank pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I want to, of course, thank our listeners and viewers out there for tuning into Brainborough. On behalf of Beatrice Buckley, this is Mark D. Valenti. Have an amazing rest of your day. You just dug deep with Mark D. Do you want more? Follow Mark on Instagram at ValentiHorror and subscribe to the Brain Burrow Podcast.